Welcome back to the Hungry Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Moose, and we're here to get rid of the starving artist mentality by talking with hungry, driven, passionate artists and hearing their recipes for success each week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thanks for tuning into the very first episode of the Hungry Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Moose, and this is a project that I've had in my brain for a couple of years now. In fact, this first episode was recorded last year, so it has been a minute. It's been a long time coming. I'm so excited to finally present to you this first episode with Miko Montez and Cassie Lesko. We talk all about their first feature film that they went about creating in a pretty unique way. It was created in six uh, short film installments, and we go into that process for them as well as some really great advice for actors coming from an independent filmmaker mindset, as well as the uh, writing process, a lot of great information there. And of course, they've come so much further on the project that we discuss in this episode. So you can check it out at bearskinthemovie.com. That's bearskin, B-A-R-E, skinthemovie.com. Check out all of their amazing work. And I hope you really enjoy this episode with Miko and Cassie. Well, welcome Cassie and Miko to the Hungry Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. And you guys, of course, so, you know, what's up, what's up? Um, You guys are obviously uh, have your production company, Opening Image Productions, which we're going to get all into, of course. But I want to say, like, start with where did you start and how did you come to L.A.? And how did you decide, like, I'm going to be an artist. This is what I'm going after. This is the decision. Or was it a decision? (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to be an artist. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I think that's for a lot of people, but Miko can definitely start because originally I know, although I've always loved movies, I know this is like his true passion, his true dream. And I just happen to like hop on the train at the right time and right opportunity to like be a part of it. So I'm very grateful. So um, I, I think it's interesting. You said, uh, I make the decision to be like, I'm going to be an artist because you know, I was for a long time, you know, I was working towards my goals and then there might've been a moment. I, I feel like just some like self-reflection where you're like, am, am I an artist? Cause you think an artist is like a painter or something that there's like, mm, yeah. that like pops in your mind and a filmmaker, especially someone that's, you know, kind of putting like a director hat on, you're bringing other talent in. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, there was some point like, well, maybe I am an artist. <laughs> but you're a writer you write yeah like creative writing is yeah exactly I think it's still all part of you're creating you're putting things out there I think that's art in different mediums no right I guess it just maybe took a while for me to like think of myself that way well okay so was there a decision then to do filmmaking as the full-time passion yeah I mean that that was always like because I grew up in Ohio and there was nothing, there's nothing there for, for films. Like the first step, any filmmaker or actor, I think is you have to move to probably LA, but at least a prominent um, uh, city, city that has. bigger hub. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I moved here and just jumped right into it. I went to OCC and just got like my feet wet. 
And then um, I was in a writing group for eight years. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was that was probably my university. The school was good, you know, to like meet people and kind of just, you know, learn some craft. And it was really, you got out of it what you put into it. But the writing yeah. group was really where I learned like what story is and, and um, you know, getting cool. some value. Was that yourself. like a, a self put together group or was it like something you applied for and it was kind of like a school that way? What was the group? Yeah, it was um, it was a private, you know, and I had a friend that was going to it, and someone yeah. was leading it, and you know, I think it fluctuated over the eight years anywhere from half a dozen to you know like a dozen people in the group. You know, you'd see some people come and go, and some more serious yeah. than others. But nice to have like that accountability and people that maybe you can trust for good, truthful feedback. Yes. Yeah. And I think too, it's when it comes to making these decisions that you want to do like film with your life or whatnot, I think a lot of it is instillment. Like Miko told me living in Ohio, like, yeah, he'd go outside and play and do stuff with his friends, but he rented movies nonstop. (laughs) That's all he did was write movies or watch movies where I think it was already something instilled in you. Like you can make different decisions throughout your life of different passions or things you want to pursue. But it's interesting how many people you hear like from a young age, they knew what they wanted to do with their lives. Like he loved movies. He spent hundreds of hours watching movies and knew like, this is what I want to do and moved somewhere where he knew he was going to be able to pursue it a little more seriously than Ohio. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's awesome. It's, I loved movies. So it was fun to kind of just be able to learn how to do them, make them the process, pre-production, all of that. When before I had no clue, I just enjoyed watching them. It was a passion. And then you're like, wow, this is a great outlet to be able to do these things. So yeah. Oh, that's really awesome. I'm oh, sorry. Were you going to say something, Miko? I was just saying, I thought, you know, I was th- thought it would always be nice to like find a partner that um, was in, was already making films, you know, and, uh, and Cassie and I met, you know, she wasn't into it, but all, when we started, she like, you just saw like uh, the hunger. I already open. had a passion for movies, <laughs> just no like connections, you know, like I'm from Vegas. So for me, it was always this lifestyle of like working in the like families that work in the casino and entertainment industry and clubs and all that and it just really wasn't my thing Mm. that when I moved here LA is so eclectic with being like whatever kind of art or passion you want to pursue LA is like the hub for everything and so it was great to move somewhere where I tell my friends now, I'm like, yeah, I'm in the middle of making a feature film movie, like doing all the set design on a feature film. They're like, what? (laughs) Like, no big deal. (laughs) It's very cool to be able to have those opportunities out here that you can't have everywhere else, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And what you were saying about um, starting from an early age, I went and checked out Miko's YouTube channel. And you've got, I did, I did. Get ready. (laughs) How far did I'm you dig? How far did you dig? Oh, I did a deep dive. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I wanted to say because you've got things from like 15 years ago, and I was like a kid. Yeah. yeah, but like it's all there. Like you've got 
overlays and like the camera movement going around the two actors and like the four panels and oh my gosh can I just say I watched Count Hines and I <laughs> I died laughing like that was so I was so impressed that's gotta be like 15 plus years old yeah yeah but, but it was like all the talent and potential and drive it's all there like had to it, go yeah it's yeah, so fun. Cool. Yeah. Oh. I watched it and I remember being so impressed. I'm like, why didn't that win? That was so like kind of dark, morbid humor, but so funny. Oh, was that it a challenge? Yeah, yeah, it was a challenge. Yeah. Oh. But maybe yeah, yeah. 15 years ago, it being like blood, like the joke is that like it's like blood ketchup, right. you know? Right. But now I feel a lot of people would maybe like think that was really funny. Oh, it's hilarious. I was like, I could see this in festivals now. It's so (laughs) funny. Like, the story is so good. It's all there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's That might be good. This is something I like to share is that I feel like a film, like, you you know, there's all these different parts. But, like, if you lock down three parts of a film, three most important parts are the screenplay, the story, the talent, the actors that you're bringing in, and the location. And that mm. uh, little contest has a, we shot it in a castle. So yeah, I was going like, to ask you, where, where the heck did you get a castle? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where was that again? Uh, it's called, uh, it's in Loveland, Ohio. Oh, that's right. That's right. And uh. it's called a, the Rock Castle, but it's the words in French, I think. We want to go visit it. You've, to- you've shown me photos of that before, right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. one man when he was like 30 he started bringing up rocks from the river and over like 60 years, he built the castle all by himself. And what? he passed away when he was, I don't know, like 80, 90 or something. That is yeah. so And the cool. castle looks beautiful. Like the photos, I'm like, whoa, that's in Ohio. Like we need to do that somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So when are, when is, when are we getting that movie? Rock Castle, the making of movie. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I like that. That's so fun. Well, so you definitely lean more towards horror, thriller. Is there something about that genre in particular that really speaks to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I like, and I would say specifically in horror, I like macabre. Um, or macabre, yeah. Um, yeah. We say macabre. I think it's pronounced differently, but we we <laughs> like seeing the letters. Really. <laughs> We're going to say what we see. I, I also like... Uh, macabre. Screen. No. <laughs> Hey, Brie. Yeah. I also like to make up one word in each screenplay, at least. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Just like throw in a new word in there. People are like, what is this? That is, this isn't in a dictionary. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm, you know, and, and it's like uh, anywhere from, like, I have one screenplay that's a rom- romantic comedy horror. And then I have on the other side of the spectrum, I have an erotic thriller horror, which is like the, 1980s like erotic thrillers um mm. but like put on its side um, yeah twisted a little bit so i the whole spectrum of horror yeah yeah i've read when we were when we first started dating um six months later covid happened and we were quarantined together so that was really a test of like being confined together for long periods of time okay. so we read like a lot of his screenplays and they were, they're 
awesome. They're just very entertaining. And there's a lot of like stuff with like life and love and very like vital, important things. I think there's like a romanticism to writing horror. There really has to be like, um, it's like world building. Yeah. You have to have like an infatuation with understanding darkness also exists with the light. Like people Mm. make films or comedies or everything. And there's always some sort of conflict, some sort of darkness, because like, that's the balance to good or to things going great. And so I think horror is really interesting because it does the opposite. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of negativity or mystere, but there's always this like little bead of positive light that comes out of it at the end for the characters or for the story. Um, So there's like a yin and yang to like positive comedy, good love movies, and then the horror, you know, there's that little white dot and that yin yang, you know, so. Yeah, I think a lot of my stories have the theme of love and death. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what drew Cassie to you, no? (laughs) Weird, like, so you see our living room. I came to visit a friend here, and I remember first walking in the front door in this home, and I was like, I don't know if this is a guy's house, a girl's house, but whoever's home this is, I want to be their friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. Like, I want to know this person no matter what. And so we became friends and then, you know, both started dating. And I was like, I think our souls kind of matched. I was like, I love your house. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah. And I do all the designs. So I already was like doing like interior design type of stuff and enjoying design. I already enjoyed seeing what I had to here. So, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I was actually just talking to another filmmaker friend today and she was discussing how, you know, sometimes she wants to try these experimental or abstract ideas, but she thinks like people won't get it or go for it. And I was like, you know, I think we as filmmakers just have to like choose and do what speaks to our heart. And then when you put yeah. it out there, the people that also get it will come like it your vibe attracts your tribe essentially like the, yeah. those yeah. people will find your stuff and they'll fall in love with it the same way that you like saw the house and you're like okay this is this is it this is what I'm here for too but if you're not that concrete and what you're like this is what I'm doing and owning it then it might be muddied and people can't find you your message and I think that's right. what's really important about making art is being honest mm. you know just speaking yourself yeah sense of self identity you know this is who I am this is the type of writing or acting or art I'm bringing to the table is what I want people to like remember me for so yeah um, you know Werner Herzog yeah <laughs> so he was in the Mandalorian and uh we're gonna nerd out here for <laughs> love it yeah. go for it <laughs> on our nerd glasses <laughs> there was this like scene with like the filmmakers and they 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 brought in the, you know, the baby Yoda and uh, <laughs> they did the scene and they're like, oh, Warner, amazing. You know, he's like, <laughs> I, you know, he does it in his like barbarian accent, you know, and um, then they're like, okay, we're going to do another take. And he's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, we're going to, cause we're going to do this like green, you know, green screen item instead. CGI baby Yoda. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, and there, and he says, "But which one do you prefer?" And they said, "Well, we want to do the, we prefer the puppet, we, but we want to do the green screen for safety." And he says, "Don't be a coward, you know." <laughs> and then he refused to do the green screen. 
Nice. You know, yeah. <laughs> we like practicals. We don't, yeah, we like yeah. to things. Yeah. And so we appreciate old Star Wars, uh, even the newer Star Wars when they still will throw in like buttons that look real versus 3D buttons. You know? yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely want to, I'm like trying, I'm trying to hold off on all the production because I have so many like design questions and all of that. But while we're still kind of in the, the beginning parts, is there, are there filmmakers and people who inspired you? You know, you said you grew up watching all of these films and it seems like you've been able to develop this style. Are you pulling from any inspiration in particular? I mean, my favorite filmmaker is Christopher Nolan, but I, I don't really, um, he doesn't make horror films, I guess. But uh, There are some dark moments in a lot of his movies, though. Yeah. I'll give it that. My two favorite films are um, Inception and Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. which you know aren't my genre at all and I, mean, I think like if i pick a genre to watch it's always like sci-fi mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I don't i don't i don't think there's anyone for horror that i draw from for for movies i think it's more like just images yeah no that's interesting and I think it's important that, you know, we can draw inspiration from anywhere. It doesn't even have to be films. And you just take like a little bit here and you're like, oh, I like this little piece of music and I like yeah. this painting and then, you know, these colors and it's all like this wonderful amalgamation. <laughs> right. I think that's really important too as a, as a filmmaker is not to hire crew, but bring people on that want to collaborate with you, you know, because you're you have a story or a screenplay and you're trying to tell that story, but you also have like a theme, you know, or a thesis that you're trying to get across and you want everyone saying that thesis, but in their own language. So you want the gaffer saying it in lighting, you want costume mm. in, in there. Um, Each department to kind of resonate what you're wanting. Yeah. yeah. They're saying the same word, but in a different color. Yeah. Uh, I like that. It does make sense. Totally. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about your feature film, Bearskin, right? So this is being made in, oh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Tell us about it. Um, Because it's being filmed in a very fun, maybe slightly different way. So tell us about the process and and what it's about. Okay. yeah, so we're doing these shorts and um, we're happy with them for, you know, a while. And um, But I just felt like business model-wise, you need to make a feature. But it's a lot to put it to a feature together. So I thought, okay, well, what? why don't I approach it from like a um, an anthology series? And I was thinking first, like something like VHS or something, you know, but then I was like, I I want the stories to be more connected. And I had a couple of shorts already that, you know, were were good for production. And I said, okay, well, how can I tie these stories together? Um, And so we came up with this concept that um, all these characters in our story are coming to like a group therapy session. Mm -hmm. and um one by one it's the first time in this group um they share their those individual stories 
and we get to see their flashback. So we made this movie through individual shorts and uh, we kind of like tested the the water with the first one because that was the most, it was the difficult one to pull off, I guess. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) Cassie's got something to say. (laughs) Now there was one day on the first one we did, we were making it and um, because we were building a big set. We were building a big set, just us in our backyard. Um, Wow. The first like three months of COVID. So we were going to Home Depot like every other day <laughs> and just built this huge set in the backyard for like three months straight. The reason yeah. the wood prices went up so much, you guys are <laughs> <Yeah>. set. <laughs> we, we woke up, we were working on every day. I woke up one day and we were, we were, I was sore too. And Cassie looked at me and she's like, no, not today. <laughs> I'm a very yes man kind of girlfriend. I say yes to everything. If he needs anything, I say yes. I'm yes, yes, yes. But there was just one day I finally was like, no. You're like, no, that's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. I finally was like, no, not today. Oh, no. Um, but what? it was a great process and shooting the film was amazing. We took all the precautions during COVID. I think that was a lot for actors and filmmakers and crew dealing with those kind of things. Uh, During COVID, they had to slow down their passion or the jobs Mm, they were getting because of all that just coming to a halt. So it was nice to be able to be safe and get all the proper things done for the movie. And Was this desensitized or is this a different installment? A man eclipsed. Oh, the... the a little longer than a few minutes later. Edited, edited, so no spoilers. Okay. No problem. <laughs> okay, so you're doing bare skin. You've got these six short films that you're creating um, in order to make it into that feature. So first off, you said um, like that from a business aspect, doing the feature film is better. Can you describe your thought process with that a little more or explain why? Yeah, it's just like a feature you can get distribution for that you can okay. sell. And then it, you know, you can keep it on your docket and it can make money for you each year. And, and you can, you know, there's things like Film Hub or something like that where that will, um, you know, accept a short mm-hmm. and you can make a little money, but it's not. They're just not. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So the goal then for the feature would be uh, like a. a a normal distribution model or like self uh, distributing? What's the plan with that? Do you think? Yeah. Just um, streaming service, probably distribution. Maybe with, um, so we, we saw the little talk with what Avenida productions, maybe with them. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I know they do their own films and then, I can't remember if they were selling, saying they were distributing. Yeah, I think they're launching that service in, in 2023, I believe. Their, their, their talk, though, was very informative, I think. Very helpful. Oh, yeah. It was nice being in tune with understanding other people in the industry and how they, you know, are able to do funding or, you know, yeah. be successful with what they were doing. It was very informative. Yeah, that yeah. was interesting how she was saying, they would uh, go to universities because they had subject matter that was relative to the, the schools. So right. they would have a screening. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a whole different like business model. Um, Absolutely. Like licensing your film to either like 
libraries or the universities going on like school tours that was that was really good <laughs> yeah yeah agreed yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just think it's great because I think for Miko I think making a feature on a personal level he's worked on so many other like projects and short films and stuff for other people and he has all these screenplays he's written that you know the budgets to make them are like dream budgets you know right. those kind of screenplays he's written that I think for him it was just a nice I know it's like a nice victory of self for yeah. him to be like here's all a lot of the work I've done I finally just want to do it right do it professional and put it out there and just feel successful just for myself you know totally. and if it goes, if it gets distributed, great. You know, if yeah. you know, if not, we're proud of ourselves. I think that it's just even out there, you know, that he was able to express himself that way. Yeah, and that's a great outlook. And and regardless of whether or not it gets picked picked up for distribution, it's like all a learning process, and that'll be like a calling card to say, "Hey, I've done this. I've written other things. This is what I can do on this kind of budget." So it's all all good things. <laughs> Right. Like yeah. to, you know, I think even from the first one he directed to now, like we've done four of the six films. The fourth one we just shot is the glue of all of them. The one of all the actors together in the room telling their stories. I feel I've seen such a, even like a professional experience difference in, of uh, <laughs> the first one he directed to now this fourth one, like he's taken the reins more and you could tell. Yeah. You do a great job with the actors. You really do. But that, I mean, that also comes to us, you know, spending a, a really long time casting and not just finding talented actors, but finding the right actor for the role. And um, they, then they're really bringing their A game, not just to, you know, working with them, but with each other. And it just like elevates the whole film, you know finding the right the right cast and the right crew for your specific film you know like you we might be an actor that we like working with but maybe it's just not the right project the next project right right yeah. yeah that's so important I think coming from the acting side to remind all the actors out there that it's not necessarily you or your acting talent it's just might not be the right fit for this project, either with the other actors or a look or, you know, anything. It doesn't have anything, or not doesn't have anything, but you don't need to say, oh, I'm a terrible actor because I didn't get this part. Like there are so many factors. Yeah. And I think for an actor, when it comes to auditions and, you know, possible rejection and things like that, I think for an actor, like, it's almost like you have to develop more sides of yourself. Like, you're developing, you know, these different people through the scripts that you're one die, but you're different sides of the die when you're being like a villain or you're being a, you know, protagonist or whatever, um, that actors should definitely be aware to when they walk away from an audition and they don't get the part to instead of feeling like rejected, be like, okay, what could I have done differently? Like, mm -hmm. what could I have said differently, acted differently? Like, let me try this in a unique way that I wouldn't normally do. And it pushes them, I think, to 
always look at an audition as a positive experience, a learning, yeah. growing experience to always become learning. better after. Like the rejection shouldn't matter. It should be a positive thing if regardless. You, if you get a call back, you, that's a win. I think that's a big W because they, the whoever brought you in, they like you. They want to work with you. They're just trying to figure out if it's the right, just right. the right fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell tell us a little more about like since you guys have been on the casting side, where you're. I'm, I'm assuming was it self tapes. So yeah, we can. I can roll that out a little bit for you. So we'll put a, a call out um, on a couple of the the main websites. You know, I think we you're going to get for each role, you're going to get five to like 750 responses. Yeah. Per role, right? Per role. Yeah. Everyone Um, needs to hear that. Yeah. But when he accepts their request to submit, it's all about actually following through and submitting. We would have like a hundred people respond to submit but only 20 would actually do it out of the 100. And you mean like you mean like you now have said, "Okay, I would like to see an audition tape from you and then only 20 submit an actual tape?" So so say let's say we start off with 600 people and then we go through there and we make selects and we go, "Okay, for the right look of what we want for the part." Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes you you put a, like a, you're like, "Oh, we we need this type of you know, person, or we need like a, a male actor in the thirties and a woman in her sixties responds. You're like, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, okay. It's great. But like, that's not what we're going to look for. Yeah. But sure. so, so you start off with 600 and you go down, okay, these 300 people could potentially fit. So out of those 300 that you request, only maybe 175 will actually respond to it. You know, so you've just gone from, you know, 600 down to 175 and you're missing out just because you're not showing up. Yeah. And then out of those 175 that you re- you'll request um, audition tapes or self-tapes and, you know, then it's maybe down to 100 or less. Wait, I have to stop you again because I feel like I'm not following something. Because you just said that the submitting to respond was was a different step than the self-tape. So is this like through an agent you're asking or what is that um, step right there? What, because um, on my end that I've seen, it's like we will submit to a breakdown and then, yeah. yeah, like on Actors Access or Backstage and then you get just a prompt with sides as the self-tape. So I feel like I've missed a step based on what you were describing. Um, so I think it's all the same step is that some people don't respond. That's what I'm saying. It's like, we'll start with the. People you, will submit, but then they won't follow through. So you're so saying what, you send out to 175 the sides to please submit your self-tape and then 100 respond. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I was, I was adding a step or something. <laughs> I think my numbers were a little off, but yeah, I don't think, I mean, a hundred. Yeah. But I feel when it's actually people who follow through, I feel like the self tapes are done to like only 20 or 30 a roll. Doesn't it feel like? No. 
maybe it's only 20 or 30 yeah, like gems it feels yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's true maybe he goes through them all and he's uh, like 20 to 30 like this is what our like potentials or even this one was a little funny you want to just watch this one yeah <laughs> Okay, so let's say we're going to do numbers, Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing numbers. He loves doing numbers. Uh, yeah. So if there's 100 people that respond to a self-tape, okay. um, half of those people don't do a good job. Like they don't take the time or uh, it's like it's a little unprofessional in a sense. Um, they didn't set it up or the, the acting performance isn't just It's just right. no disrespect. It's just they're just you could tell they're not there yet with taking it serious enough gotcha. where, you know, we're putting a lot of time, effort and money. We need someone who's going to have the experience to sure. reciprocate professionalism and all that. So, yeah. 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 yeah it's interesting I mean, that you say that because I feel like we get a lot of self-tape directions that are like, be in front of a solid wall, have good lighting, do the camera horizontally. And you're like, what self-tapes oh. are people submitting that, this isn't kind of just obvious. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do think like actors access and stuff, you, you, you get most people that have been doing it a, a lot. Um, but I, and maybe there was more like out of those a hundred, the quality of the performance, the performance. Yeah. Okay. It's like, you know, 50% of that is like, they're good actors. And I, I just feel like, you know, maybe some of the actors just have, there just have, are just starting and, you know, they, they just need more experience, like Cassie's saying, but. Um, and that's the harsh thing about auditioning. Like, sure. There's some like, you know, personal accountability, like I'm just not there yet. So let me work towards that. That's you fine. can't take, take it to heart or take it personal. If you don't get a role, like I said, that's always something that should like push you to learn more about yourself and a sense of self. Like, how could I portray this better next time I get that audition, you know, and yeah. push, yeah. you know. I think they say the same thing with like screenplays. As soon as you finish your first screenplay, write another screenplay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like I've seen his older screenplays versus his newer. And even with that, you can see the difference in his writing, like the maturity or mm. the intellect and the words you know just things maturing as you get older as you get more experienced with it so sure so yeah. take us back to the self-tapes if you're watching 100 self-tapes in a row do things become numb does it become really easy like people are popping out like oh this person's performance was great oh I thought what they did there was cool what kind of sticks out to you for tapes yeah and I feel like I over making this feature, I've become a little harsher in the sense that, you know, it's like, I don't want to, maybe four, you know, I might start with a hundred and then at the, at the end I have like 40, you know, but mm -hmm. now it's more like we have 20. Cause I'm like, these are, there's definitely actors that like pop out and you're like, Oh, that's great. That's, I, I would like to see them. And then when we're done, I, I think, when we have actual auditions in, in person, we bring in three to four people, five max. Right. So I know our um, process is probably a little different compared to like 
uh, you know, a studio that's casting a lot of people. And so sure. maybe they're bringing in a lot of people at a time. But for us, which is like an independent film, you know, if you've, if you've made it to that audition, then you're the, we're, all, we're spending an hour with each actor um, for the role. So you, you've gone from 600 to four. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, that's, that's a win. And like, uh, there's this actress that plays October, Gabrielle, she's amazing. And I mean, I think like five, six years ago, she came in for something and, um, we didn't use her, but then we cast her in another film. I did the program, which was a short and, um, and we brought her in for this one, for this audition. There's, did we bring awesome. in four girls for, four girls, for yeah. October? And, um, and so, yeah, it was just, it's about building a relationship too. I, totally. I knew really, I wanted to work with her again at some point. Yeah. yeah. I want everyone to hear that when it's like, yes, you're auditioning for the role, but you're also auditioning for all future roles that person might do because you might not be a good fit for that exact thing, or you might need, like you saying, a little bit more experience and growth, but you can still develop a relationship with someone work with that person they're not quite there yet or they don't fit the part but they have potential that we would like to see them on screen for us and I think going back to like picking like Nico said we have had to get a little harsher with watching auditions because like I said we've done four films now where for each role you know maybe at first we spent like five to six hours watching like each one but like now it's okay, like 20, 30 seconds in, if they're not bringing it, we got to kind of do like, okay, next, you know, we got to like, keep it going. But um, I think what pops out to me, and this might just be me, but I think Miko too, and this is like a nice side note. um, The acting talent and experience is definitely something that stands out, right? That's something you right away want to click and save as an A, like this is a potential. But I think what also stands out is when someone approaches the role completely differently than what everyone else is doing. Like someone could be a Meryl Streep at the part and do it really well. Like, oh, this is a contender. Let's keep this person. And then you get this person who does the role that the other hundred people have not done that tone or that emotion to it yet. And even if their acting isn't like up there, like the first person, we save that person because we're like, whoa, they read it differently and kind of approached it in a really unique way. And I think that's really interesting to find in actors, people approaching roles in a unique way that yeah. the script isn't obviously giving out, you know. We want to so. we want to make characters. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. cool just seeing people's um, self-interpretations of characters. Like we might yeah. think someone's going to do one thing and then someone played it a complete opposite way. We're like, whoa, that was actually kind of cool. Let's keep, like, let's see what they can do in a callback, you know? So Interesting. Yeah, we definitely yeah. hear from the acting side, like, make strong choices. And so oh, that's, that's helpful to hear. Well, when you get on set with the actors that you've chosen and you're saying you kind of like these unique choices or you're developing characters, how much collaboration is happening like between, you know, you've written and now you're directing and you might have it, you're 
a certain way in your head? Is there a certain amount that you're willing to kind of do some give and take or how is the process in dealing with actors? I feel like uh, my rule of thumb for a film is 90% is pre-production. So if, if we're, you know, in the casting, I'm picking three scenes that are, that represent the character. And so that the character has to live within those, like that triangle. Mm. So if they can hit all those three scenes then you're like, okay, they have the character um, and they have the, they can stretch in all those directions. Um, and so then we do assignments, you know, for them to like develop the character and we, we talk back and forth Okay. for this group therapy session. We sent them, um, homework assignments like, uh, from the doctor. And mm. so, and then we sent those to the doctor and we had discussions about that and they all have their own backstories. So, you know, we, that was really nice. That's something he would create with the actors. Like once we picked, or even during auditions, he would be like, where do you think this kind of trauma or this emotion would actually come from the character? What would you think? And yeah. we like to get the actor's opinion on the role too, because they're the ones portraying it. It's nice to see what they're taking from themselves to, you know, give yeah. us the character. That's something I, I really want to see in an audition is, um, someone who someone has an opinion. Yeah. They're excited. They're, you know, they're, I mean, just, you can just hear up, up to the auditions, we're already doing a lot of work. And so we want someone that's going to like carry the film with us. Yeah. Um, so they're excited and they're bringing ideas. And even if we don't use them or we don't like them, you know, for the don't character. Don't say don't like. <laughs> don't like them? Well, not the, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know, I yeah. know. Like even if we don't agree with where they're, what they think the root of something, you know, there's, ways of talking about yeah, it yeah it's brainstorming just like right. writing you're you're writing ideas and you don't use that idea but it leads to another idea right mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, i'm sorry your question was uh, oh yeah no you you totally did it about about question? working with yeah. actors no it's great i want to yeah. ask more about like oh sorry did you have something else to add about that i think you were saying like on set and so yeah, yeah. we'll do a take on set and then um either we'll, we'll give another action where um, we just want to change it up or to redirect, you know, where we're going. And then from there, we could, you know, as long as we have time, we're like, Oh, do you want to try something different? Like a completely different emotion or different reaction. And yeah. How much do you like different takes from actors? Because as someone who's like done the indie, very low budget filmmaking and having to edit myself, I'm like, Oh, I kind of need things to match more than I would like just for editing purposes, but I also would love to have actors be able to have the freedom to play and do things differently, but just where I'm at right now, that's kind of been difficult. Right. I think as long as you have one that works and we have time on set, then... You just go for it. Yeah. I think it depends on the character too. Like right. Joey um, would always bring something different. Oh yeah, we we had an actor who played someone a little more on the comedic, laid back, cool side, and he would improv a lot. Mm. You know, he would try different things in his audition that weren't even there, <laughs> but or even but the way he would kind of be show his versatility made him very appealing as someone like oh we'd like to work with him because he's going to bring different things to the table when we shoot him. Cool. And um, I will 
commend Miko by saying when we've done auditions, you know, we spend like an hour with the actor to go over, you know, the root of the character, what they think of the character, them to do the scene a few times where we've had actors tell us like, wow, we really see your passion because they're so used to going to an audition where it's just Five like, minutes. read the script. Okay, done next. And we actually sit with the actor and you know, get in depth so they can really bring like their best A game out to the audition. And we even do that on set. He'll take a moment if he's not getting the scene he wants or the, the performance he wants. He'll stop everything. He'll go talk to the actor. Actor is like, hey, like, let's do an exercise really quick. Like, let's talk really quick. And then the next scene, the next shot, they just bring it. Oh, that's and awesome. It's, it's yeah. good to see the patience and the time you know, and uh, patience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes a long way to giving actors more confidence in what they're doing instead of just like doing a script and then, okay, now I guess I'll wait and see if I got it. We like to make them, we respect their time, you it, know. It's so much work to get to production. Like you were saying, 90% is a pre production on everyone's hand side. Yeah. And then you only give it. Get, and then get the camera set up everything you know all the yeah. lighting all, all the crew like doing the makeup and then you only give the actors one take <laughs> i know you're out of time like it is it's yeah. i mean i think it's better to you know so, and, so, and that comes back to getting good actors is that they're going to nail some some parts you know on one or two takes that way later when we're having problems that uh, you go okay let's do a couple more takes because it's, it's important here. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to talk more about pre-production because you said 90% is pre-production. You guys have your own production company. So how, how much time are you spending? Well, I guess because uh, Bearskin's in different installments. So maybe it's kind of a tricky question, but how much time would you say goes into planning and everything before shoot day? Or is that just, that's too, it's, it's too hard. I don't mean to be so smiley about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's like, we're, I'm always in pre-production and mm. there's moments we try to find to enjoy ourselves, but uh, oh, yeah. So let's say. So much. <laughs> <laughs> Only two more. It's, it's a couple months for pre-production. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's well organized. Um, yeah. Mika's very good about, like, even when we brought, like, the this stuff over to the editor to start working on, he had, like, all the script with the shots written out in the script and where he wanted each shot to change. So he did, like, he's very well prepared. But, uh, yeah, pre-production, I mean, he's doing the budgeting. We're doing the we're, location We're wearing hunting. a lot of hats. We're wearing yeah. a lot of we're doing yeah. the casting, we're doing the location scouting, we're going to Goodwill and furniture stores and stuff. We're just doing everything where then when we get to shoot day, we're like, oh, this is nice. Just sit here for a minute. <laughs> yeah, shooting's the easy part, big time. Pre-production is I it's given me such a respect mm. to movie makers. Because like I said, I've grown up loving movies. I you know, I love like Wizard of Oz and Lord of the Rings and all this stuff. And then to actually be behind camera and see when you see the credits at the end and all these names that have done different things, you're like, 
wow, like so many, there's names. so many talented people working yeah. on something for it to all be one masterful, you know, film. It's a lot. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. Well, are there any, so what would you say your process is like if, cause I guess you're doing like storyboarding and shot lists and. Um, okay. So not writing process, just pre-production. I mean, I'd love process. to hear about writing process too, but what, whichever you want to take it in. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, say the scripts, let's say the script is done. Okay. Um, so it, you get, you have to get to, but there's going to be some, some minor changes, but you have to get to a spot where you've, uh, given the script to plenty of people to get your opinion, uh, an opinion on it and it's tight. Um, and then, then I do a budget and I, and I break it down first. So like you're like doing, you're being the line producer, figuring yeah. out what all you need. Um, and so I do a preliminary budget first just to get a general idea of like, okay, how much is this movie going to cost? Because then I, then I'm like, okay, what elements or resources do I have available and who can I reach out to? Um, it just gives you an idea like, Oh, can, can I pull this off? And then after that, you're like, okay, yes, I want to move forward with it. Then, um, we're doing, uh, a final budget where you go in and you highlight like all the elements, all the props and stuff. And you're not doing like everything, but you're looking in the script for things that are unique or maybe something that I haven't done before. And you go, okay, I need to talk to someone to find out how much that would cost. Um, and then usually the budget. A lot of phone calls. Uh, yeah. mm. <laughs> a lot of phone calls. And emails. <laughs> looking stuff online. Yeah. Um, and then you get to a point where you have the budget and, you know, it usually falls around there. Some things become cheaper and then some things become more expensive as you shoot. Um, but, but it falls in there. So then after we have the budget, then, then we go into casting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, maybe location scouting, maybe. Yeah. D depending on what, um, those are the, the two things that you really have to, lockdown first before you can start really going into pre-production yeah i would think location scouting would be such a huge like budget factor because what can it's like finding the right location and then how much does that cost per day right right yeah yeah and, and yeah. It, it depends on where it's at too where where if it's close to your crew mm. you know you, gotta, you don't have to pay them as much but if it's farther <laughs> away yeah we're gonna have to pay them more because otherwise they don't want to show up you know yeah but i think like like i said the respect goes hand in hand like we did a, a film up in the mountains and it was a three-day shoot it was up in the mountains and we realized a lot of people live in la a lot of people live in hollywood and we're like how are we going to make them come up to the mountains three days for shooting so miko rented out an entire cabin motel for all the cast and crew for three days so mm -hmm. everyone was there woke up got ready and everyone was there on set for you know the call time so it's just it goes like we have to give that respect to people with their commute with their yeah. lives you know yeah it's a, it's a lot about like uh respect too because yeah the, the hotel is expensive but people got to make that drive every morning 
They're gonna get stuck in traffic. Yeah. They're gonna be grumpy. They're gonna right. You know, they want to wake up and make a movie. Right. And good crafty. We always want them good happy. With the good <laughs> always love some good crafty. Yeah, well, the tummies have to be happy, and then their mindset <laughs> has to be good. You know, with you know, if they're driving far or whatnot, yeah. we just like to make things accommodating for people working for us because I know if we give that energy to them they're going to give us their best yeah that's super nice it's like it's a nice investment into mindset of everybody and the whole project itself better for it um oh sorry go ahead no I was just going to ask if you had something else to say on that because I was going to ask something else yeah, I think it's just like a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort goes into it that if someone's not feeling good or, you know, in a bad, not in a bad mood, but just like they're not feeling good energy from the set or from the people making the film, that's going to show through the rest of your shoot, yeah. whether they're a crew member, whether they're an actor, you need to give them that kindness and respect going in otherwise the project could you know it could become a fail just because you had one little cog in the machine not doing as well as they should or right. wanting to like they don't want to be there that res you know that people feel that It'll energy permeate through, uh, yeah yeah right so good crafty. <laughs> the fight crew is the happy crew. Coffee yes, for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> what Cassie was saying is making yourself available to, you know, mm. you know, you just want to make sure that your casting crew can feel like they can approach you. Mm. You know, if there, there's a problem or sometimes you just see like something's a little bit off, you just kind of check in with them. You know, and small adjustments can go a long way. Everyone's got their own life and they're, you know, they're there because they love filmmaking, but they, they also have, you know, stuff that they're bringing with them for the day, okay. you know, and like, I mean, we have, you know, we have bad days too. And, yeah. And I went up in the woods, like we got up at, I got up at 5 a.m. three days in a row to make like 15 breakfasts for burritos for people. Like I, I was ready to just like, ah, uh, you know, yeah. but I'm like, I got to always, I think people realize working with us on set, we're kind of like a, a nice little, you know, stronghold for our cast and crew. If someone's having a bad day or just needs like some sort of like mental hug, they'll be like, hey, Cass, is someone feeling like, oh, it's okay. Like I like to give them that energy. <laughs> He'll go to Miko and he was like, go talk to Cash. She'll help you out, you know, and it's nice to just, the people we've worked with, they love talking to us. Like they, yeah. like we've made friends. Like it's like this nice little film family that like people respect and enjoy our company and the same energy goes back to them. So no, I think that that's sounds, really important. It sounds so lovely. Like the set, your sets and the atmosphere that it sounds like you create and that you hold space for everybody. I mean, it just sounds so lovely and like that you would take the time and patience. So yeah, thank you for that. And um, I want to ask about, again, with the pre-production and getting everything ready, of course, finances is always the big, the big issue with indie filmmakers. So are you um, doing crowdfunding or maybe self-financing? What's what's your process for that? 
Yeah, it's a lot of self-financing for this feature, but we, we do have an investor, but it's, um, and I have done crowdfunding before, um, which is kind of, I feel like the crowdfunding is, is, for me, it's a little rough. Like I did something with a couple of years ago with the YMCA where we, um, we were doing this mentorship where we worked with, I think it was like 25 kids. Um, it was called the Youth Institute in Long Beach. And um, so they're high school kids. And so we taught, uh, you know, I think it was like 10 courses on filmmaking, you know, the different crew positions. And at the end of the year, or the end of the program, I'm sorry, it was in the summer, they came uh, onto our film set and they kind of shadowed under someone. Right. So, you know, that youth institute they work something out with us you know teaching the kids to help us yeah. with the financing. but we also did a crowdfunding um and we even had that like kid angle you know like we're working with kids like, right you know. how would you not want to support that yeah. <laughs> um, but uh it's still tough yeah. right yeah. We've talked about like if we were to do, I think an important thing about crowdfunding, especially those speakers we saw at the yeah. festival. Um, I think crowdfunding is important for having your loved ones and your community kind of aware of the project you're working on. Yeah. So we, although we're not doing crowdfunding right now, we've considered doing crowdfunding maybe towards the end of the feature being made as a way to get our loved ones and friends and the community kind of engage like, Oh, this is going to happen. Like whatever part of your last, marketing plan. Right. Whatever those last couple little things we need to like touch up on to complete the feature, that would be a nice crowdfunding goal because then people are engaged and excited about it. And the film is going to come out soon. Yeah. You know? And I've heard it's, it's nice that, um, you know, you also kind of already have the film. So even if you're maybe still in post-production or you're going to use the funds for like, festivals or marketing that kind of thing people can it's kind of like you've already put your money where your mouth is so people want to are more willing maybe to provide the finances when they're like they can see the finish line right Right, exactly so we've kind of just held off on the crowdfunding for now but yeah we consider it when we want people to be excited when it's almost done so oh that's awesome well um do you guys have any advice on like getting investors or talking to people or are these just maybe friends or business connections you've already had oh yeah i definitely did that i mean finding an investor i think is just swinging (laughs) yeah you have to um it's a it's a number scheme but like we got to the point where we had some some pieces of the film to show and so we had a, a leg to stand on Right. And it was it was quality work for those films, and so yeah, that that they could at least see where the the film was going, and like the quality of it and everything. But, but I just go ahead. Uh, I just uh, we did like as Cassie was saying, we had a very like clear investment uh, plan. That was, we wrote up and it, it was four pages and you know i had it drawn up but then i had someone professionally you know make it aesthetically look looking well and yeah look aesthetic we got you we got you yeah um that's why i hired someone <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i think even like with investing like that goes hand in hand with 
actors going to auditions. Like we met with several investors that liked us a lot. We liked talking to us, but they weren't interested in the project. Like, Mm. you know, it's still a form of like rejection is even kind of like looking for that help and you're not always going to get it and that's okay. But we were fortunate enough to find someone who dug the process of movie making and the story, like Miko sent him the script, you know, and you got to, especially with horror, like a psychological thriller, there's only certain people that are going to be intrigued by that, you know, that want to know and something like that. Yeah. And it's a dark piece. Yeah. It's, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah. But, um, oh yeah, you've seen yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that part, but um, is there like a website or are you just like cold calling or emailing people and that's how you got those meetings? Uh, there's no... Like connections, Some friends. connections, some yeah. websites. It's just like putting it out there. I don't, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think there is... I think everyone has to find their own avenue that right. works for them. It's yeah. just putting yourself out there. Like Miko said, it's just being like, hey, this is what we do. We're in the middle of making a feature. And, you know, maybe a friend is like, oh, I know someone who might want to help with that. Like, how much more money do you need? You know, it's just it's just mm. putting your, your piece out there to people and seeing who is interested. It's not even trying to get these investors. It's That's important. Yeah, what you're saying there is like, don't approach it as looking for an investor right like trying to get money Mm. just be genuine about yourself Mm -hmm. in the project that you and the story that you want to tell and you you have to talk to people like they're they're not investing okay you just tell them like you're sharing the story like this is my story this is what what i want to tell if you're interested awesome just put it out there and because otherwise it, it doesn't come off. It doesn't come off right. If you're like, Hey, do you, you know, do, do you want to, it's like, what can this? I get from you? Right. Maybe. You want to build relationships. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I think even what you're saying about just putting yourself out there, because I, I know I sometimes have this limiting belief and I've talked with friends that it's like hard to share your stuff and what you're working on. There's like this little, insecurity and voice of like well what if people don't like it or the you know all these list of things that you could say so even just showing up putting yourself out there this is what Mm -hmm. I'm working on like otherwise people can't find you people can't help and come if they don't know yeah (laughs) thanks for having us on your podcast yeah (laughs) I just think that's the reality to life that I think people don't understand is that if you're pursuing anything, there's always, especially in Hollywood, if you're pursuing anything in film, there's always going to be rejection. There's always going to be bumps in the road or hurdles or walls. Like that's a part of life and that's okay. It's how much you keep putting out there to be able to like get those wheels going. You know, it might not be at the pace you want, but I think persistence and like he said, being genuine having like to me I think being genuine and showing gratitude even for people taking the time to listen to your project not even invest but just listen to you yeah and you talk with them and everything you know just have gratitude for that time with people because a lot of things even though there's a lot of social media and everything goes viral a lot of things are still word of mouth a lot of things is just 
people talking to each other. And ask, you know, if you're talking to someone, really listen, like find out what projects interest them. What are they excited about? What do they want to invest in? Like if you're looking Mm. for an investor and you meet someone, like, well, what do you want? You know, what are you looking to do? And if it's not right for you, don't be afraid to say like, hey, that's not the type of films I make, but my friend over here does that. Pass it on. Right. Um, Yeah, that's cool. We're all in this community together. Yeah, we all want each other to succeed, you know. Totally. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. If you have more, please. (laughs) There was something that I wanted to share. We were talking about a topic and um, something like, I feel like there's kind of like three parts of like making a a film too or like uh one you have to give it time you have to like if you want to do you know acting or making films you have to dedicate a lot of your time you have to be greedy in that sense Mm. um you know you know you have to sit sit at home a lot and, and work on your craft um it's a little seed like Everything should be organic and grow, you know, even if it's, you know, what you're pursuing, a relationship, a business, and, you know, passion just takes time, time and nurturing, you know? Yeah. Well, so with, again, with pre-production, Desensitized is the uh, installment of Bare Skin that I've seen that is phenomenal. Mm. And, um... There's so much like props and like you were saying, the set design and and things that went into kind of building this world and and the costumes, like a lot gives it the texture and sets the tone really quickly. So are there any kind of like, how do you go about painting that picture? And um, are there any like, you know, prop houses or you said like you're going to Goodwill, like what's kind of the resources and things you might grab in order to bring that to life. Um, I mean, I, f- I feel like I give Cassie an idea. If she does the production design, I give her an, like a, but she just ran with it. And we would go to places together. We would go to places. I would look for stuff on OfferUp. I would look for stuff at Goodwill. I've had people tell me about like multiple like Facebook groups of people just getting rid of things or trading things or mm. prop houses. We did have to go to a prop house and rent some things that were maybe not everyday items, as you saw in the film, like stuff that, you know, I had to put on set that you couldn't just find at a, a, a Target, you know? So right. uh, um, I, I think if you can if it's the same price or maybe a little bit more, it's always better to buy the prop or the set okay. dressing piece. Cause one, you'll have it if you need to do some kind of pickups and then two, you can alter it to, to, to fit your film exactly. Right. Versus and, renting. Right. And, and goodwill pr- production design. Is a, so much stuff. Yeah. Production <laughs> design is about time. You have to have the day off just like, okay, we're going to like five goodwills today. Hmm. You, know, you got a list of 20 things and you're going to find 15 right yeah <laughs> yeah and I think a lot of what helps the production design become successful is 
an idea of the location. Like you said, location scouting is so important because then once you get the location locked, that's when you really can start like visualizing right. everything. Because there were different locations we had seen for that film that the pieces I chose might have been completely different. You know, it's just what is going to be aesthetically pleasing to the location and to the story for the pieces. And there were a lot of things in that film I actually had to make. Like I ordered things to, I don't want to give anything away, but there's like jars of some, you know, like body parts and stuff that, you know, I had to buy things to make it look like there was flesh and food coloring and different things to make it look real. Yeah, um, so it's, it's very creative and fun, like doing some of those crafts. It is. Do you know those? Uh, you, know, you watch like a Bob Ross episode. Yeah. And he's like drawing a line here, and then he's you know making a, a bush, and you're just watching it, and then you're like, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, there's a whole painting there, right? <laughs> like he'll like, draw what? a big line down. You're like, you're messing it up, and I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. no, that's great. <laughs> he, he like he snuck up on you, like you yeah. didn't realize you were just watching him draw lines. And I think that's what Cassie does is we're going. Nice you know, picking items up and then all of a sudden you look at the set and you realize this suitcase over here matches this this teddy bear. You know, they're not the same color, but they all live in that same world. Yeah, that's awesome. By piece by piece she's making that world. Yeah. Thanks. I'm very O C D. So for <laughs> me, like I'm like color, texture, like you said, just there's so many different things to make sure things are aesthetically pleasing to the eye, like colors that like balance each other out. Even when we've done, um, cause for the, uh, fourth one we just shot, which is the group therapy room of all the characters. Um, I did costume as well. And same thing. You have to look at the location you have locked. You have to look at each character, like what they would wear and make sure it looks aesthetically pleasing to the location, fit the character they're different enough from each other. And I was very proud of that when we looked at everyone. Everyone has their like no, like their colors, their patterns, their mm -hmm. textures, and it still works with the room. They, uh, they look like they belong in the movie together. Yeah. But and, they're, they're still their own individual. And like you said, it's, it's not the typical artist of painting or drawing. It's a type of art that you're being creative and cohesive with furniture or with clothing and it's yeah, still art it's, it's all in the details and and I think right. sometimes we don't even realize that but the importance of like the color palette and like you're saying right. all the furniture costumes, everything yeah 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 oh that's really cool well I I wanted to get back to you said um your writing process because we we decided to have the finished script but are you writing every day? You have like a daily practice or you just, when you come up with an idea, you might set out like, I'm going to write this month kind of thing. How does that work? Yeah, I think be before when I was in the writing group, because I was mo mostly just focusing on writing, okay. then it was, I was writing every day because we would make sure every week we bring, you know, anywhere from a couple to a dozen pages to the, to the writing group, like polished work. Um, but now it's I'm in the stage of writing pre-production, production, you know. So there are phases. Um, but if I'm in the writing phase, and it's not like a a gig, you know, it's a, it's a spec or something that I'm doing personally. Mm -hmm. um, at first, it's an idea that just hits, 
and then I just like brew on it. I don't write anything. I just let it, and I go, okay, am I so excited about this idea that I think I could write a hundred pages? That you'll dedicate it, the time and effort to doing it. Yeah. And also does the story, is there enough in that idea that oh. I don't think I'm going to fall short? I, I don't want to start an idea that I think like, oh, I, I don't think I can write a hundred pages. You know, it's, I got to be super excited about the idea that, you know, like, oh, I could write 150 pages and, and, and trim a bunch out. So once I get that, and I'm like, yes, this is a new story that I want to work on. Then I just free write. Just be creative. Don't care about the order. Don't just write scenes, write dialogue, write descriptions, just any kind of like images that come to your mind that make you like really excited. And then when you get like a nice chunk and you're feeling like oh I, I have pieces of the story there then I go um and I write a outline from beginning to end you know um we'll just say like breaking up to three acts and you know what's going to happen you know in, in certain parts of the, of the screenplay certain things should happen and I make sure I'm hitting all the like the main points of that and there, there's something missing that's okay you know, just move on. What's important is knowing your beginning and your ending, um, where you want to go with the story. And then after that, I start at the beginning and I write to the end. And if there's a section again that I'm unsure about, I, you know, I just write a note, like this type of scene is missing and move on. Don't like bog yourself down. Don't get writer's blocked. Just yeah. move on. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's flowing. very... Yeah. You know, don't worry about any grammar or anything like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm his grammar. I'm his spell checker. He just will, like, do everything. And I'm like, okay, red line, red line, dash. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Through it. I'm like, I got you. <laughs> and I always write by hand. Okay, I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, always write, like, especially when you, the first time you do any scene, I always write by hand because there's just, like, something about, you know, you write a line, you're like, no, you scratch that out. You're just quickly writing notes on the side and you don't stop. You're going to come back to the notes, you know, and, and then just, and just keep going and you get uh, beginning to end and um, you know, then you type it up, <laughs> you put it in final draft and um, then you start to see the pieces that are missing. Um, and you kind of like, for me, I go back to like my notes, yeah, like like uh, studying notes and you, you kind of see like a, what what should be here and you look at other movies and say, okay, well, this is the type of scene um, that's missing. Um, what does that look like in other films? What mm. kind of structure is for this film? Like references are okay. Like yeah. inspiration and references like are okay to use. You know, you're not completely copying the person, but oh, you need yeah. some but it's just, inspiration it's, to pull. It's to also to understand what is it? What is this scene that's missing? You know, then, then you can go, okay, now I can rewrite that a different, a different way. Um, can you give any particular advice around like the rewrite? Cause I know that's where I really struggle with like all the old perfectionist tendencies of me being like, I want to write it out perfectly from each sentence to get go. And yeah. I would would totally get that. To be like, Oh, I'm missing a character in my first draft or I'm missing a scene. Like that's it's, but it's been so hard to get to the end of a script because I won't let myself just keep flowing with it. So 
Yeah. yeah. Some advice uh, about like the revision. Oh, you might process. write a scene that you're not going to even use at the end. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get bogged down on it because then you're going to write all this stuff. And then if you spend a lot of time perfecting a scene, it's going to be even harder for you to cut out later or a character right. to cut out. You know, yeah. it's, it's a, as you keep going through drafts, the bumps start like smoothing out a little bit more. And if you really like something, you like some dialogue, you like some character. I had this like hard line at the end of the script and I put it past the ending. So it's like, oh, I love this. And then as you're writing, you you find, okay, um, you know, Colin said this line here and I love it, but it doesn't work anywhere. And then all of a sudden you find in like the, the, the fifth draft, oh, the mentor should say that instead. Hmm. You know, like you just, you still get to keep the little piece that you love, but you find a place for it to live. Just letting it be like a lot more malleable, I think would be... Yeah. helpful for me yeah. to remember yeah 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 and what happens is there's this list of things at the end that i want in the story and they they slowly find their home and then there's you know these things that don't find a home but it's okay you know yeah. those you know you get half of the stuff that you really wanted in there you know oh, and cool. you just figure out that it doesn't fit in the story yeah. and you yeah, got a... oh sorry go Kathy. No, go no it's good um I feel like even like last night when we went to the We Make Movies group and they read one of Miko's script, it's not that they were struggling, but I could definitely see like with the narration, like Miko's very romantic with his grammar, his word choices, very heavy handed. Like it's a thick script. Like anything he writes is very descriptive, gives really good visuals. Like, so it's not always easy to read, but what I think is important as like a creative writer is like you said, if you put like, if you like Caitlin writes something really great and you want to use it and you're like, Oh, this is just beautiful wording, beautiful description, whatever and you said, put it at the end. And then it's cool to just like plug it in where you can. It's just, it's really nice to see people write things out that are still very beautiful and not, you don't have to be very short and very modernized with your writing, you know, and, and that's what I appreciate about Miko's writing. People where you're like, wow, it was very poetic. And it's but, like, yeah. Like it's, in it's that good. sense also be concise. Yeah. Like I, you see that because I do, um, I'll do a budget, but I have to read the script before I do the budget. And, oh, do a budget for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, you see in dialogue and in action the the, the I same like thing. Falling off screen. Sorry, I'm like come over here, come closer, act like you like me. Come here. Uh, you see the same thing. The actors say the. the, the I'm sorry, not the actor. The characters say the same thing three different ways. Mm. Trim your dialogue. Yeah, you know, trim, make it concise. Um, make the you know the the note. Of, that's great is when you have uh, action and it has like four or five sentences and then all of a sudden you can realize you can say it in two, two sentences. Mm. And that just makes it easy to read for anyone in the crew, anyone, any actors, you know, and you might not even know it. Like you're reading a script and you're like 20 pages in and all of a sudden you're like exhausted mm. from, from reading the script because there's just all this like just, a script is not a book, you know, you have to, yeah. 
instead of saying, you know, oh, like just like if we described all this room and, and, and you know, it, maybe you can just use one or two words. Right. And let the reader, the audience, I even think it's important when we watch movies, sometimes there's that like, what is it like unnecessary dialogue? Like the actors are saying things that like don't need to be said. Oh, like too much exposition. Yeah, too oh, much exposition. Yeah, explaining where, everything. Yeah, where, you know, if the writer is, you know, in the narration, at least like painting a picture for the reader, the audience, when you do finally film it, like let the actor show it, you know, mm. it doesn't always have to be like, I watched this horror movie the other day and something bad was going on and the victim or the person trying to get away was like explaining to the audience what was going on as they were afraid. I'm like, I don't, I don't believe a character is about to be killed, but would stop and be like, Oh, they're, you know, turning into like this thing right now because of this DNA, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm, yeah. I don't need you to tell me that. Let the, the story show me that. And that's the know? good thing about film is it's, it's such a visual medium that we have to be able right. to see it more than have people saying and describing all the time. Right. So I think writing is awesome if you get to like describe more and have less dialogue sometimes, like sometimes less is more like a character saying one or two words, but mm. you paint a picture with the rest of the writing. Yeah. And, and from writing advice, if you have, you can find four people, at least every time you write a new scene or a new script that you trust their opinion and they have, um, they know what they're doing um because you you could get a note you, you could say like um do you understand what's going on in this scene and and, and if they're like oh yeah you, you you're kind of being repetitive then you know you need to trim or if they're confused then you know you like add more yeah maybe you need a little bit of exposition but the, right. that balance is tough yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well i saw on your website that you've got like a bunch of spec scripts and is art is that all stuff that you are going to produce with opening image or are you like pitching that to people hoping that it'll be sold? What walk me through uh, kind of that process of when you're writing scripts. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like some of the screenplays I'm open to, you know, someone else producing and some of them are more, are more personal. Um, you know, we have, I think after, after this one, we have kind of like two screenplays that, you know, are, are an option for the next kind of like budget level. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> what was the question again? No, no, you're cool. <laughs> I was just, I was asking about the spec scripts and if maybe you're like pitching and, and doing that kind of thing, or you just knew that they were something that you wanted to make yourself. I, I, I do feel like I used to pitch them a lot um and send out like query letters yeah and i've been optioned but it's such a long process um that i feel like we kind of just shifted into like producing like i just want to make it needs to happen i don't like to read stuff anymore people Mm. miko told me to do like it's back then like you could easily like have your script and wait outside of warner brothers studio read my script read my script before me yeah yeah, before before like our time you know but (laughs) just like you know Eco's a little old sold with that where he will write out a script and you know I tried to give 
even like a page or two for someone to read and people just don't want to take the time to read scripts anymore. They want visuals. They want instant mm. gratification of a, a TikTok <laughs> short instead showing, And it's probably you know, just like so much content and right. stuff. And now this, it's all this short. is the process. You, you uh, query someone, you know, you query a bunch of people, a couple of people with like log lines and then a couple of people will respond and uh, say, okay, yeah, send us a summary, a one page summary. And you, you have to have like some accolades attached to the script. And then, uh, and then maybe like a month later, they'll get back to you and be like, okay, now send us like, uh, you know, a treatment, right? Mm. We're going to read And so then you send them a treatment and then, <laughs> And then maybe after that, they ask for the screenplay. You're like, don't you just want the first 10 pages or something? Like, <laughs> Yeah. If, read the first five pages. If you don't like it, that's fine. <laughs> oh, um, man. Um, what kind of stuff do you like to write, Caitlin? Yeah. Well, like right now I'm writing, it's, this would be my first feature, but now I'm kind of like getting these other ideas that I'm like, maybe I'll venture off into those for a little bit but it's it's based on a true story um and it's it'd be a period piece so I just feel like there's a lot of research that I'm having to do around it that's kind of holding me up um Mm. but yeah the whole getting what you were talking about the structural elements in place it's all very new to me to to put it out into feature form so that would be more like a a historical inspirational drama kind of thing but I also really like comedy okay nice I love period pieces yeah I'll watch this because I'm like oh it took a took place 150 years ago I'm watching it you know <laughs> yeah that. I don't care what genre it is I'm like I'll watch it just to like because I appreciate like the clothes the design it the definitely set. is not like a low budget when you make it a period piece so that's you know something right. to keep in mind for writers right exactly <laughs> like oh this takes place in you know this time period it's like all that stuff is not going to be cheap yeah to make or to do but it's yeah. also your your it's just literature too you, know, you write something i enjoy when someone just reads it yeah. or he's even considered he's written um a couple horror pieces that are period pieces that are a little farther back in time that mm-hmm. before even considering doing it as a film he's considering trying to hire someone to do it as a graphic novel first oh cool! Um, so like there's some really cool period piece screenplays he's written and that's the avenue he wants to take with the screenplays to get it the storyboard kind of done out as a graphic novel and published and all that and you know graphic novels these days everyone wants to make a movie of those anyways so yeah. maybe that's a nice little yeah, exactly you're like i already have the ip here you go yeah yeah oh that's cool well, are there any projects that you guys are working on i know you're finishing up bearskin but anything that you want to talk about and let people know about i no, i would just say yeah bearskin i guess those are yeah. yeah we have two more of the shorts two more of the stories left yeah. um we have about 70 minutes of the movie done so <gasps> so exciting yeah. <laughs> yeah we're really excited yeah we're really excited about that I'm really looking forward to seeing it all put together. We're excited to show you. 
And we're excited, hopefully, to work with you, too, one day. That would be so nice. Oh, my gosh. I would love that, especially after you guys just described your whole process. I'm like, this sounds like heaven. (laughs) I guess that's something I'm curious about. I guess we have worked with people where we have heard, I don't want to talk negatively, but, like, some horror stories on set, like, just people's energy with each Mm. other on set, how, like, that can make or break an experience for someone, you know? And it's just been so nice to work with people that get along and work with people that, like I said, respect us, we respect them. What is it like out there, I guess, for actors and people? I just, it just seems more often than not, they're not dealing with that. Yeah. Well, I think it just depends. Um, But a lot of people, I think, you know, especially these lower budget things, there is such a concern about money that then there becomes a concern about time. So then you're not taking the time to like all the time goes into that camera setup. And so then it's like, okay, so you've been waiting around forever. And then now it's like, okay, come in, do this. And then I think a lot of people just don't have the experience yet directing actors and everyone has a different process with that. So maybe they're not able to get the performance that they want and they don't really know how to communicate that. Um, but I mean, it just depends. It's all a mixed bag. Right. But the time that you guys were describing that you put into it and the collaboration, like that's, that's pretty rare, I think. Well, thanks. That feels good. Cause I think Miko just approaches it in a way I think would be the right way to approach it. But until we've been working with so many people telling us like, wow, we really appreciate this about you guys. Like, oh good like shouldn't everyone be the whole process though yeah i love shopping for props i love casting it's a lot of work but we love it yeah and someone did say to us you know it's not to sound again negative but they're like by the end of it you know you don't want to hate your own movie but they're like you pretty much make your movie four times you first write it that's a process Mm -hmm. then pre-production that's a process you're making the film, then filming it and then post, you know, you're making the movie four times where you don't want to get sick of your own work, you know? Yeah. And, just and it can change so much between those different times too. Right. There's been times we've been wanting to just be like, ah, you know, like, ah, <laughs> like scream into a pillow, like, ah, and I'm like, got this, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's very stressful. Yeah. It is stressful. It is. Because I you- think, a deadline and all of a sudden everything has to be ready by that deadline mm. and everything's funneling in and then by the time we get to set like i said we're just like oh great. okay oh, yeah. cool yeah, this is so nice and then you have to live through post-production yeah. <laughs> right we you know watching the film like a hundred times to get you know edited how we want oh gosh i know every millisecond of this now like you don't want to get tired of it you know i feel from a producing standpoint when you're on set you just have a fire extinguisher Mm -hmm. you're just sitting there (laughs) if if everything you did your your pre-production you're sitting there and you're just yeah anytime there's a little fire (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh no i love i love that how you guys said like it just it sounds like a really nice atmosphere where you take care of everybody so I'm sure everybody that that is able to work with you appreciates that well I have feel like I've taken up so much of your time I feel like I could talk to you guys forever but 
we'll, we'll sing kind of, and we talk to your ear <laughs> No, but I love it. We're going to have to do like a part two to this because this has been so fun. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, we really enjoyed, I think both of us enjoyed talking to you a lot. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I want to end by this is the Hungry Artist podcast. And I want to ask each of our guests, what is your recipe for success? Um, recipe for success. Okay, let's just start off. Do you off. want me to go first so you can think about it? I'll just start off with saying that you have to give yourself, uh, you can have to dedicate a lot of time to it. Yeah, you can take it from there. Um, I guess this goes hand in hand with other avenues I've taken that I enjoy. Like I've done things like video game streaming and all that kind of stuff where, you know, when you play a video game and at the end, you know, people say GG, like good game. Or when you were a kid, you'd always hit good game, good game and hit each other's hand. To me, like, I think the two G's, I, I use that as like a mantra. I remember like to always be genuine and always have grat like be grateful. Um, so I think when you go into any type of passion, you know, especially in filmmaking, you have to give your genuine self and you have to be grateful for everything. Even like I said, if it's an audition that you didn't get like a part you didn't get, or you didn't get an investor or whatever, you got to just be grateful for like the time and energy you're spending because that is going to build up for you. So I just remember that those two G's is genuinity and gratitude. So I yeah. love that. Thanks. Well, it's a Thanks. good game in the end. You know? I, I, I was going to say um, a, a story, like a, a moral story, the tortoise and the hare. Because mm -hmm. I've met a lot of talented people, you know, as I've been working, but they give up. Mm. You it's know? about showing up. And it's been a, it's been a long process mm. to kind of get where I am. And so if you're... You know, you, you have to hone your skills. You have to give yourself, you don't, you know, you, you, you need to have the time, you know, so if it's some kind of job that um, you can give some of your time back to, um, still some of your time back, you, you need to have time for your craft, you need to have skill, and you need to have um, some connections. And if you don't have the skill, that's, that's fine you can get it over time. You can teach yourself, you can find other people. So those, those two um, kind of go hand in hand and then you need to make connections either. If you don't have any to start off with it, that's fine, but you can grow that. And I think that like the tortoise and the hare story is great because, you know, there's that, there's people out there that are, are very talented or they have the assets or the connections or the, or, or the resources they don't take advantage of it. They don't show up to the game like we're talking about. They get burnout. Yeah, we've had people for casting. We call in, and we do the casting down here in Long Beach. And I do it. I mean, we we live here, but I kind of do it down here just to see if people show up to see if they're they're if they'll dedicated. They'll spend, you know, that little extra effort of okay, I have to drive an hour instead of thirty minutes to the audition. Yeah. Like we want to just see like you know, that speaks volumes if someone is not able to go to an audition, not because they don't have a ride or anything, but like, I can't make it, you know, and not willing to reschedule. Rescheduling is fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Hey, can, do you have another audition day? Like I have something going on that Saturday or, you know, it's, uh, 
but we've had people like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to drive that far for the audition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we probably don't know if you're going to give enough effort on right. set for a week with us, you know? Uh, yeah. So that's just important. Um, but yeah, I mean, Miko spent 10 to 15 years writing before he even started filming anything like for his work. Like, yeah, the Count Heinz thing you saw and all that, like little <laughs> projects or things for other people. But like he spent all of his like childhood and teen years watching movies, his 20s and early 30s writing movies. And now like, you know, we're a little later in life and now he's doing it. Now he's filming it because, you know, it's just it's OK to take your time and build up that masterpiece you want to do. Yeah. That's so yeah. awesome. Well, thank you're you. You're so awesome. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for your time and this wonderful conversation. It's been amazing. Where can people find you and see what you're doing and, and keep in touch? Um, well, you can go on my website, which is just MikoMontes.com. With an S, Miko Montes. M-I-C-O-M-O-N-T-E-S. Um, if you you can, you know, see some uh, stuff on there. If you really want to see some of the, the feature early, you can go on the Patreon, which is openingimage.com. And you can get some sneak peeks. We're about to. Some of the stories. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And don't, if someone wants to reach out, I'm happy to talk to people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. We all said we're in our little community and we're supporting each other. So right very good yeah. well thank you guys so much for coming on it's been a pleasure and uh we'll talk to you soon thanks caitlin thanks for listening to the hungry artist podcast you can join the community by subscribing so you never miss an episode and following on instagram at hungry artist podcast i'd love to hear from you so what were your biggest takeaways from this episode and what would you like to hear more of in the future until next time Stay hungry.